Fridge Guys. All right, uh, welcome back to episode 15 of the Fridge Guys podcast. Um, hosted here, Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, my name's Dane Patton. Right here in my, this is my horror man cave basement. Uh, we've got a little bit of Husker stuff, but mostly horror and beer down here. And I, uh, episode 15, this is, if you guys saw my post earlier, I am joined by the guys from Blue Blood Brewing. Sitting across from me is Brian Podwinski, the owner of Blue Blood. Hello. How's it going? Doing really good. How are you? I am fantastic. And Ralph Allen. How's it going? Doing good. How are you? Good, good. I'm uh, pretty excited for you guys to join me on the podcast tonight. Um, for those of out there that have never listened to a Fridge Guys podcast, pretty much what we do, we drink beer. I bring beer out of my fridge sitting right here. We, we drink some beers. We talk about beers. I have a list of questions. We kind of go over, talk about Lincoln beer scene. That there is just water, so we can you can uh, switch. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. hydrate a little bit. Um, but we'll we'll just talk about the the craft beer scene. Talk about Blue Blood. Uh, what's going on over there? How things uh, have been progressing and, and all that kind of stuff. Good deal. Thanks for joining me tonight, fellas. You bet. Thanks for having us. And uh, Brian, when you walked in the door, you uh, you brought me. This is uh, one of your newest canned beers, correct? Correct. Pinning Citra. Pinning Citra. It's Session IPA, four point nine percent, forty IBUs. Bright, citrus, and hoppy. I'm excited. I, I heard good things about this, but I have not been able to try it yet. So, when is this out on shelves now? Yes, as of last uh, week. We actually just released it last Thursday and Friday, so most retailers should all have their lot in by now. Oh wow, the nose on that's pretty pretty fantastic. Is this just a single hop citra? It's citra and mosaic. Oh, and mosaic. That's right. Read the uh, read the fine print on this. Do not be fooled by the poster at the brewery that says Saz and Golding. <laughs> <laughs> that was a different recipe or just It a... was a different template on the poster that didn't get the hops upgraded quite correctly. So Awesome. I'm going to take a sip of this. It smells wonderful. I had one at the brewery a little bit ago. Not going to lie. Oh, yeah. That's super easy drinking. Uh, yeah. Get a lot of citrus notes. It's good hop. Uh, it's a pretty good hoppy beer. That uh, for for a session, it's not uh, not a punch in the face, but it's it's there. It's good. Yeah, it's one you can drink plenty of all summer long, which was kind of our goal. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was about eighty degrees today, so this is tasting good right now. All right, um, let's Ralph. Let's let's start with you over here. Uh, kind of what what's. Um, What's your position over there at uh, Blue Blood? What, what is it that, that, uh, that you're in charge of that you do there? I am our sales coordinator. So I'm the one that is uh, out on the streets pushing the beer and working with the distributors to make sure that everybody's getting it in. And then uh, giving my two cents on styles that I think are moving well and where the market's going and what beers we should help get into the market into everybody's hands. Well, this was a, this is a pretty good one, so... Yeah, this one turned out really, really well. We, Jonathan did a nice job on it. 
Yeah. Leaving good lacing on the glass here and everything, too. I know. I was really impressed with your clean glassware. Well, we drink a lot of beer in this house, so... <laughs> I, I really need, like, a barmaid in my uh, my upstairs kitchen. That'd be pretty sweet. Clean all my glassware. Nice beer, clean glassware at home. <laughs> so, how long have you been with uh, Blue Blood Brewing? I've been with Blue Blood now for... <clears throat> too long. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, probably about five and a half years, I think, somewhere right around there. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So how how long has it been in the new location now? We've been there actually three years is on May 4th. So yeah, that, that anniversary is coming up for the, the new location. You Wait, might be pushing six years. I was going to say, yeah, now that we say that out loud, it's been, it'll be six years, I think, this summer. Yeah. This June. And when, when did you start Blue Blood? We, we opened our doors in December of 2011. Okay, so, so we're coming on eight years here in the end of the year? We, uh, Yeah, eight years yeah. at the end of the year. That's right. Okay. Awesome. And uh, what, uh, so, okay, so you're, you're selling the beer, you're pushing the beer. Brian, you know, you're the owner of the brewery. What, what's kind of your day-to-day, -day, you know, operations there at the brewery? Um, well, uh, there's a lot of beating my head against the wall. Um, <laughs> but you know, we, I deal with everything from the financial aspects to the ordering, to scheduling, to, um, working with the folks upstairs in the tap room. I mean, kind of everything right now. Um, we're finally getting to the point to where we have a great support staff under me and my role is going to change slightly. Um, to where I'm definitely more of uh, guiding the company into the future rather than just running day-to-day. -day. So I'm excited for that and uh, really take the company to the next level. Awesome. So let's go back kind of a, to the beginning to get to know you guys a little bit. Are you guys uh, both originally from Nebraska? Lincoln born and raised. Yeah. I'm actually from Columbia, Missouri. Really? Pretty much raised here. Moved here pretty young when my dad transferred up here for work. So I, I mostly grew up here. I went to school here. You went to school, yeah? Yeah. Awesome. Um, kind of what, you know, you, you, you own a brewery. What What's your background in beer? Like, wh why why did you decide that you wanted to start a brewery? What, uh, what kind of sparked that interest and, and that kind of stuff? Well, as we all know, it all starts with drinking too much one night. <laughs> um, so... After So I got hurt as a police officer, and I retired in 2006. So after that, I went to work for the state. And while I worked for the state, I started drinking a lot more. Um, and so I had the bright idea, I'm going to homebrew. Um, Love the idea of it. Um, bought a kit way back in the day, talking back in 2000. Me and a buddy bought a kit, and we failed miserably, so we kind of stopped. <laughs> Um, but I wanted to do it again, so um, I bought a kit from Kirk's, and uh, uh, from there, really, just uh, I, I was a home brewer once. Um, and after I boiled over my first batch and it caked onto our glass cooktop, um, <laughs> I was one luckily to still be married, and two, um, I was a garage brewer from that point forward. <laughs> I guess I'll be resigned because everybody that I talk to usually at, at one point their wife kicks them out to the garage <laughs> they're, they're home brewing that that always either they're stinking up the house or they're making a mess or 
maybe the I've heard the story where their their stove doesn't even heat up enough to like even boil their batch. <laughs> yeah, I could see it taking a while, five <laughs> gallons on a stove. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I loved it. I love everything about it. Um, I have a science background, um, and so I love uh, letting the bugs do their thing between the yeast and then uh, now with the sours and stuff, uh, bacterias and. Um, it's a lot of fun controlling. Well, there's so many things you can control in beer and change and tweak and mess with. And, um, I I just love it. And so once I started brewing more and more at home, um, I didn't want to work for the government anymore. So, um, I had done that my adult life at that point. So I knew I wanted to move on from that. And so for me, it was, why not get into brewing? Uh, I loved it. I loved every bit about it. I loved drinking beer. Um, I love the concept of what beer was for us. You know, uh, me and the guys all hanging out on, uh, uh, we were the Tuesday nights when I was a cop. Um, that was the night we had off. And those kind of things really what led me to Blue Blood Brewing. So the name and everything about it. Yeah. I didn't, I guess I didn't realize it. So did you, when you first opened, were you, were you brewing when you first opened or not? Yeah, I brewed for the first, oh, probably year and a half-ish. Um, and then Bill came down and helped out. Um, and Bill was with us for a while, then Gil, then Jonathan, and... Uh, soon to be to be determined i have a name i just uh have to talk it over with ralphie here first <laughs> so there's not going to be any breaking news on the fridge guys podcast tonight there is not <laughs> there is not well we'll see how much you get to drink tonight yeah, <laughs> yeah nice try <laughs> money talks dane money talks <laughs> so so does somebody that drinks a lot of beer <laughs> Awesome. So what's kind of your uh, background in, in the craft beer industry here, Ralph? I drink a lot of it. So <clears throat> I was actually raised around craft beer. My dad's from Washington State originally and then Colorado. So when I was a kid growing up in my fridge was the only the only American lager we ever had around was Coors because the Colorado tie-in. But we had a ton of Red Hook Brewing and Boulder Brewing beers. Yeah is really what I grew up about around in, in import beers. So I, I literally grew up drinking craft beer and was touring brewers at a pretty young age and just loved the industry completely. Um, so did a lot of learning about it on my own. And then a mutual friend of ours uh, that's involved with the brewery gave me a call when, when Blue Blood was looking to turn their tasting room into a, a tap room and asked if I'd be willing to come down and serve beer because I can talk to people and I can talk about beer and he told me I was the biggest beer nerd he knew so it seemed like a good fit and that's literally how I got involved yeah and that was about six years about ago. about six now. years ago now yeah awesome and that was when you were you guys were over on South Street when you first opened up right yep like uh, what was the address 500 West, West South. South yeah West South Street that's right um, so kind of take me on, on the path. So, so you're, you're brewing, um, for the first year of, of Blue Blood. Like what, what's, I get, so that was 2011, you said? It had like, been 2012 for the most part. 2012 yeah. when, when that happened. You know, I actually had only, I've only went into that, that location maybe two times, mm-hmm. I think. 
um, really kind of because I didn't really start uh, getting into craft beer until late 2013, 2014, stuff like that. So I'd only been over there a couple different times before you announced you're moving over to the Robbers Cave and all that kind of stuff. So, um, how, you know, kind of get me back to the beginning there. You know, what? How did how did things look there? What, what you know, were you brewing a lot of beers, a few beers? I know now you guys got a crap load of beers you're doing all styles you're doing barrel aging all this stuff how how what would the early on blue blood look like well we'd started off with just two beers an american pale ale and an esb and uh, that was kind of our bread and butter to start and uh, we got into an ipa which is still all hopped up it's uh the recipe's tweaked since then a little bit but uh the core is still there um we had uh well, at the time with east was ethan stout and is now hope stout um, we also had uh, Wicked Snout start in, and oh, so those were our first. Uh, that was our first core and lineup, if you will. Um, the first barrel beer we ever did was um, our Barrel Age Farmhouse, so that's where we take. Uh, we got James Arthur red wine barrels, and um, I think there was six or eight of them, and uh, filled those up with Wicked Snout and let that sit and. Uh, at that point, I was hooked on barrels. I mean, man, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then it's been downhill from there, man. It's uh, <laughs> I don't even know how many styles we've brewed to date, but um, we keep 18, usually 18 and 19 on at the brewery at any one time. Yeah. So I was looking like on, on Untapped, it showed me that you've had like 103 different beers. I was going to say, it's over 100. Yeah. Yeah, that, probably. That, that you guys have had. And... and and I think that you know, out of out of all of Nebraska, as as brewing, you probably have like the biggest barrel uh, program out of anybody. I, I would think. You know, in, in terms of variety, I would say so. Um, I know Nebraska brewing usually stocks quite a few barrels, and they may have more volume, but um, I I don't know what their count is. Um, but in terms of variety and um, sours and that kind of thing, and the Brett beers, I think we definitely have more than anybody. Um, and we're also running two 30-barrel fooders, so that's right. that adds yeah. to it. Those are back in that barrel room. That's pretty impressive back there. Yeah, those are those are fun. Um, we've got a great beer in there now. We just brought one out not that long ago. That'll get packaged here before too long. Um, there's some good stuff happening there. And and those are all part of your Outlaw series, right? Correct. Yeah. Yep. And that's I, – I really love – so ever since that you moved over to this, I, I guess maybe we should get back, like, how how did you become the become the owner of a brewery that sits on top of Robbers Cave? Okay, so there I was drinking one night. <laughs> um, go back to the the same old story. Um, honestly, so when we were at West South Street, the biggest thing that bothered me was when people would be in the tap room and they're like, "All right, let's go to dinner." Damn it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, we're gonna lose you for the night. We're not gonna see you around. Um, well, it, and even back then, there wasn't that many food trucks and stuff like that. The, the food really truck scene was really nothing. There was just a couple, really. At Nitro the time. Burger. Yeah. And. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was really about it. And, I mean, uh, today, there's. I don't even know how many there are today. And uh, the pizza guy. Well, you have Rolling Fire and you have spo uh, Spokes. 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 Yeah. Spokes. That was really. Still, oh. I don't know. I haven't seen him in a while, so I don't know. Spokes. Spokes. I don't know if he's still out. Well, I know he's on Instagram, um, but it's also wintertime, and those guys, you know, the, usually the pizza guys aren't out there because they're 
exposed to the elements. <laughs> Sorry, I was just joking, guys. <laughs> Love your pizzas. <laughs> You're just jealous you can't make one. They're going to spit my next one for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so there was there was really no food then. You know, we couldn't, you, you could bring Nitro Burger out and, um, you know, we tried to do a few things and uh, I just knew we wanted to reach more people. And to do that, if we had food there, I knew they would uh, come and join us for a couple of reasons, not just one. Um, the other side of it is, is we wanted to make sure we had um, wine and spirits as well, because not everybody drinks beer. I mean, they're wrong, but they, they don't drink <laughs> beer. So, um, you know, to to get a group together, you know, you always kind of have to have that other stuff just to make sure that everybody has the opportunity, you know. So, um, as I was looking for a home for us, um, you know, Robber's Cave kept popping up. Every time I did a search of properties and buildings, and it just kept popping up. And I'm like, ah, price was right. It was a cheap lot for an acre and a half. Um, and uh, the cave was a draw. I'd never been in the cave. and But it was a draw. I mean, Robber's Cave, Blue Blood Brewing, the whole cops and robbers <laughs> thing. Um, and then you throw in the Outlaw series. Yeah, and that's yeah. the reason why we picked the Outlaw series, exactly. And then um, from there... Um, it was a brewery you know that's the point of why robbers cave really exists to this day is because it was a brewery back in 1870 yeah so um it, it really fit and so we started working with the city and partners and you go down the list of everything and it was just it, it, it fit too well for us not to do it um it was a complete and total pain in the ass <laughs> <laughs> But uh, really, it was, you know, it was a lot of hard work by a lot of people. You know, we couldn't have done it without the Manzitos involved. Um, Sam Sr. was a phenomenal asset for us. Um, and then the people that he works with and the teams that he's created over the years, um, everybody kind of banded together to make this happen because it wasn't easy. So I know our uh, structural engineer hated me because <laughs> it never failed. We'd be on site and something would go wrong and I'd call and I think I just got the now what every time. Yeah, because, I mean, you're building on top of a cave. <laughs> I learned way too much about engineering in that time frame of why things are the way they are. Yeah. And uh, so how long of a process was that? It Like... I feel like it was pretty quick to from from when you guys announced it to when you got started. I mean, maybe not for you, but for <laughs> for like the general public, I was like, you know, they're going to be in Robert's Cave. And next thing you know, there's this giant brewery there. Um, so broke in September. Well, August or September, September we broke ground. We, we broke ground was in it? September, and then we opened in May. Yeah. The following year. Um, oh yeah, so that's it. Broke it around September 15, and then uh, opened. Open the restaurant, the brewery in May of fifteen. Then we, yeah. we couldn't get the cave open until that summer because yeah, it took another month or so to get yeah. all the codes passed, and the electrician was more worried about getting the restaurant open, that kind of thing, which is what we wanted him to do. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know, we started the process. Geez, I think we put an offer in on the property in January of sixteen because it was before the flooding 15, in sixteen. Fifteen. Oh, fifteen. Yeah, sorry, fifteen. January of fifteen because it flooded that year some. And that's when the room, which is now the barrel room down there, collapsed. Oh. So it was stone and everything. So it collapsed before we even bought the property. Um, I remember there was a ton of rain, and I drove out to the site to take a look. And I looked, and I'm just, oh, my heart sank. I thought it was all over. Hmm. Yeah. Wasn't that a fun day? <laughs> 
So, but, but but they could excavate that. Yeah, it's amazing watching. Um, I honestly don't remember his name now that was working the excavator, but to watch him work that thing and to just so gently scrape <laughs> stuff away from a wall that's almost what a hundred years old. Uh, it was yeah, it was pretty impressive. Yeah. So you've never been in the the cave, Ralph? Have you ever been in that cave before? I'd been in the entrance before. I'd been there for plenty of parties when I was younger, but every time I, we were like the death squad, we'd show up and the police would like come in right behind us and break <laughs> everything up. So we'd get into the entrance and everybody'd start running out. So I'd never been all the way through it. Yeah, I remember. I don't know. I was like maybe two thousand four or something like that. Going down inside there and just there was like nasty mattresses and just yeah bums all over the place <laughs> and just walking around with flashlights. You know, me and my friends looking around like this thing is pretty awesome, but we probably shouldn't be down here. <laughs> well, you know, and we, when we first went down there and you see it in the flashlight, it looks so small. Yeah, and that first time we turned the lights on, it's like holy cow. It's a whole different experience. Yeah. It's pretty incredible what you have going down there. And, and you know, I've been down there a couple different times for a couple different events and stuff like that. And I feel like I don't even, I see something new every time I go down there. And there's like a new, a newer section that you guys are, maybe you're working on or you're opened up or something like that. that uh, and plus you got the bats down there. So they got a, they got a soft spot in my heart. So, yep. And they have soft netting to keep them away from everybody else. Because you know they have rabies. <laughs> I feel like you read the newspaper here this week. I don't read. <laughs> we guys are, uh, you guys are still drinking this, uh, pining or pinning Citra Session IPA. It was delicious from Blue Blood. But I hammered it down because it was that good. Um, I moved on. I opened up, uh, this is, uh, a bourbon barrel-aged Imperial Porter with whole vanilla beans. It's the Vanilla Imperial Porter VIP from Madhouse Brewing. This is a 2017 edition. Oh, nice. So Man, Madhouse does some really good stuff. Yeah, Madhouse out of Des Moines. Yeah. Um, vanilla barrel-aged beers. You know, sometimes you want to drink them fresh. Sometimes you want to let them sit. I probably could have drank this one fresh. It's, it's not the freshest beer, but it's still drinking pretty good. First time, Ralph? First time. <laughs> Ralph's uh, drinking a little water, getting the, the IPA out of his glass. All right, so we've uh, we, we, we've purchased Robber's Cave. We're, we're building a brewery on top of it. Um, what was the size of the brewery over on South Street? Well, we had a 15-barrel brew house, and we had it in 6,300 square feet. So that was our whole facility. That we had three bays rented there. Um, so this building, the total size of the building is 12,000 square feet. Um, that's 9,000 base level and then 3,000 up in the tap room. So, so overall in size, it is bigger, but, um, you carve off that 3,000. It's really about the same floor area as the old place. And you're still, have, you still have a 15 barrel system that you're... Yep. So we work with American Beer Equipment and we have for, well, since, uh, before they started um they actually helped us so back when they were just norland international they did bottled water plants yeah well the owners uh saw me unloading some 30 barrel tanks out of a semi with our really puny clark forklift and um they asked if we wanted help and i 
hesitantly said yes just because I had no idea who these guys were, but you know I didn't want to put them out, you know that kind of thing. Uh, but we got to talking. We're still friends. My wife works there, um, so yeah, they've been a phenomenal asset for us to have. So we've got some really great uh, top of the line equipment, really, and it's extremely well maintained because they come over and take really good care <laughs> of us. And all we have to do is buy them beer once in a while. <laughs> well, I feel like you and, and mostly every brewery that's opening, it seems like is going with American beer equipment. They're just blowing up. They are. Um, it's uh, it's really, it's, it's kind of nice to get a good feel for the industry of what's actually happening um, because you can kind of see it and what they're doing and where they're doing it. Um, it's really kind of fun. Yeah, and it's right here in Lincoln, Nebraska, and they're sending beer equipment all over the country. All over the world. All over the world. Yeah, they have uh, plants in Australia and New Zealand and... Um, I know they've got somebody in England. I think they've got some stuff in Spain. Potentially, I mean, there's there, I, I don't even know where it's all at. It's it's fantastic. Yep, I know. I, I you know we've talked on the podcast before. I, I bartend over at Cosmic Eye on Thursdays, and uh, we've got all a Abe stuff and every every the deep palletizer and the and the the new canning line that that got installed over there. It's just incredible. Yeah, and that's. One cause for where being Nebraska nice pays off because their customer service, when you talk to other breweries, that's the thing they talk about with them oh. is equipment's great, but they're just so nice and always involved and always taking care of them and always handling any difficulties or any challenges that come up. They're right there. And I think that comes from being in the heart of the Midwest and carrying that through to all the other states. They're oh. not used to that type of personal interaction. Yeah, I know. What... Whatever equipment that Sam bought, that was the first one that was purchased in in Lincoln. So they 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 said that they 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 were able to actually do hands-on work there. They sent a few to Florida, is what they what I heard that they sent some to Florida, but that one they were actually working uh, on when they, they were installing it or something like that. So I think I think that's the um, the sink and the the sample station, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because that was yeah. I think that might have been what it was. I don't. It's. Uh, I think that's maybe what he was referring to. But yeah, it's you know having those guys there, um, it makes your life a lot easier. Um, <laughs> you can break stuff and go get a part, <laughs> and they're two minutes down the road. Oh yeah. Um, I do call my personal sales rep to have her uh, make sure it uh, gets settled and taken care of quickly. Um, and then she sends me to customer service because she doesn't want me calling her during the day. Um, and uh, but no, it's 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 great. And uh, frankly, we're lucky to have them around. And but that's really what helped our our brewery do what we did because I didn't really have to fight to plan it. I didn't have to design once the building was set. You know, they came in and helped design the layout, uh, made sure everything worked right, placed it all. I mean, it was. It was fantastic. Um, a couple of their guys even came over after hours and helped stand up tanks and things like that. And uh, it's it's a good deal over there. Wow. So, yep, that's that's nice to nice to know people. <laughs> Indeed. What are your thoughts of this barrel aged imperial porter? Yeah, it's like I said. I feel like maybe we should have drank it two years ago. It's. Uh, you know, it's a porter. It's it's not uh, it's not it's it's just not as thick as I would actually want it to be. Barrel notes on it, I feel, are a little little less than. But I was gonna say the the I would like a little more 
bourbon car- barrel carriage yeah. from it, but I think you're spot on with it. That's just with the age. Yeah. If, if drink fresh, I think it, those notes would have come through a little more. I'm really surprised how well the vanilla beans have held on. The vanilla yeah, is vanilla's spot still on, and it's super well balanced, so it didn't overtake the beer at all, and the, the chocolate notes still come through from the porter. Yeah. It's really really a nice beer, I it's think. A, yeah, it's a nice beer. I just, you know, that's the problem that I have. I have too many beers, and I can't drink them all when I should. <laughs> it's it's tough. I mean, we go on a beer trip, and it's like, man, alive. You know, you got to focus, and uh, you see some great barrel-aged stuff, but if it's not, you know, if it's dead summer, I'm not trying to buy any stouts or anything like that because I don't want to go home and drink them when it's 90 degrees, you know? I still buy them, and then I put them somewhere <laughs> in one of my fridges, and then I forget about them, and, and I just got boxes, and I've, I've got five fridges here, and then i got a cellar over here, so i got plenty of beer. It's just uh, I usually drink, like, the sours, and you know, usually my fruited sours and stuff I get first, and my IPAs and, you know, stuff like that, and then these things, barrel-aged stuff sits, and... And I was like, well, I haven't drank this one yet. We're going to open it up and see what it's, what it's doing. Yeah, and the first time selling a beer, you never know really where the sweet spot's at. Exactly. Yeah, we're finally finding that out on some of our stuff that we launched with at our new place. Well, not the new place anymore, our place. <laughs> um, it's, uh, you can, it's really kind of fun to try it and see how it ages over time. And we've had a couple hit sweet spots and decline. Um, we're hoping they come back. Yeah. Oops, but you never know. So when uh, you were over on South Street, how, how many barrel-aged beers did you have there? Well, we really only had the one. Well, we did do some bourbon barrel stuff, didn't we? No. Because we, we had the, the barrel-aged farmhouse. Brett Saison was at the old place. That's true. We did start the Brett program there. Yeah. And then we had uh, some bourbon barrel stuff because we got the one bourbon barrel from... Was it N Street when they did their bur- single selection we of that one? one? For, we got one from N Street and one from the Still. Yep, and those were our first two bourbon barrel beers. Um, the very first time, so we got our James Arthur barrels for free. So he said, sure, try it out, see what happens. And so I bought some barrel racks, and this is very early on in the company. So I went out and spent money on barrel racks. Didn't ask anybody. Didn't care to ask anybody. <laughs> They're like, what are you doing? This is such a waste, blah, blah, blah. Why are you doing this? I got yelled at by a couple of people, and I'm just like, you know what, whatever. And then they realized how much more barrel-aged beers are worth. <laughs> yeah. And what kind of package you sell them in at what price point. And that all went away pretty quick. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting. To, it was an interesting start to our barrel program. But now, um, honestly, it's just we're having fun with it. And try new things. And How, yeah. many, how many barrels did you say you have over there now? Um, we're over a hundred right now. The max we had was like 140 and we got rid of some stout. Yeah. Something like that. Are they all single use barrels or no, no, we got rid of some of our stout barrels that we weren't, um, the, the beer that came out was good. Um, but it wasn't going to be, they weren't going to be good for a second run. So we got rid of those. Um, but no, most of our sour barrels, actually, we want to keep them as long as possible. We have one barrel that has to be sledgehammered, though. <laughs> it's full still. And I'm waiting to take it outside and sledgehammer it. Uh-oh. All the Walmart, though. Vinegar Mom. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, Acetobacter got in there Uh-oh. and ruined it. And that barrel's going to be shot. So I'm really tempted to take a, uh, a sledgehammer to the head and 
release it outside because it's one of those i don't even want to dump it out inside in the risk of anything else floating sure. around you sure. know i mean i guess we could wash it down with ozone but um that sounds like a lot more fun yeah blowing up outside. blowing up beers outside well we had we did that intent unintentionally once so <laughs> i remember i went to Geyser. it was a yeah so i went to key west for a wedding and i told the guys we had a barrel with the the heads actually bulging out and um, I told, I think it was Nick and Gil, and I said, well, see if we can release the pressure without it blowing up everywhere. And um, I said, just pop the cork. It'll be fine. <laughs> well, I'm glad they didn't listen to me because that would have been a nightmare for them inside the brewery. Um, <laughs> they took it outside and popped the cork. And that beer shot 20 feet in the air. It was taller yeah, than the building. Yeah. And so it was at least 20 feet in the air. And that cork went up. And a little bit later in the video, you see Nick with a glass. <laughs> and he's like, this is the best barreled beer we've ever made. <laughs> um, but uh, I got a video of it. And man, that geyser was impressive. Awesome. I, I'm really glad they took video of it. It's, it's still buried on our Facebook page somewhere. This would have been back from, geez, probably what would have been December of... 13? 13 or 14 because it was a December and yeah, it would have been before we moved. So it'd been 13 or 14 because we hadn't announced yet either. So, um, yeah, <laughs> very interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you always got to have fun with your job. So blowing beers up sounds like a good time. Yeah, it's got its ups, it's got its downs. It's a little sad, too. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you lose a barrel of beer. I mean, it's like, man, that could have really been something, yeah. but you were such a disappointment. 50, we had to kill 50, you off. 53 gallons right down the drain, I guess. Yeah. What, uh, you know, what's... You've got 100 different beers out there. What's a couple of your favorite beers from each of you guys that you guys do? They're all my children. It's hard to pick just one. <laughs> oh, I have um, kids, too. I know who's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't kid yourself. Um, Ralph, what do you... Uh, go for I'll, it. I'll, I'll let you think on it. It's the easy one for me to pick is the first Brett Saison we ever did. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. It, it really... Um, turned out, I think, much better than we'd even anticipated. Man, I, that that first barrel aged Wicked Snout, like that damn beer is so freaking good. I wish I kept some of those beers. Just wait till the next release of it. <laughs> oh. that, Have uh, you had the new one yet? Is that the sixteen? The one that's been in barrels for two years. Sixteen, actually. It's three years now no no shit yeah can i swear on this yes you okay can. good because it's gonna happen <laughs> yeah. um so, so you, it's you, almost three years now huh almost three so years. you brewed a batch of wicked snout in 2016 put it in barrels what the james arthur what james arthur in? yep so usually we let it sit for a year but the beer wasn't ready we tried it and it just was not barrel aged wicked snout um right now it's it's barrel aged wicked snout and it is badass hmm. so that's one of those coming up here soon that'll be in bottles again it's going to be part of that outlaw series that's right yeah. so is that uh 500 uh, or 375 no, 500, 500 mil yeah 500 500, 500 mil corking cage yeah yep yeah yeah it's uh that one's phenomenal um you picked one you said brett what's the other one you know honestly well dialing it down to one after that gets really difficult um the coffee vanilla bourbon barrel aged imperial stout is right up there that that first year what's that two or three years ago 
That would have been the... Was that the first year at the new place? Yes. At the, at the cave? Yep. Yeah. That one, you're right, it did turn out really well. It yeah. was it, it was a little hot when it came it was, out of barrels. It was, kind of, it, was, it was kind of boozy when it yeah, first came when out. Yeah, it first came out. Well, yeah. and then we added the coffee to it, and it, oh, man, it, it settled in real nice. That and, was a good beer, too. I remember that one. And then on the other end of the scale, not just because we just released it, but no. I'm a fan of the style. This Penning Citra has just shot right up the ladder for me on this one. They're using two of my favorite hops out there in production. Yeah. I mean, if you're throwing Mosaic and Citra in a beer, yeah, it's hard to screw up that beer. But something, yeah, to just drink yeah. multiples of, yeah. this one ranks up there. Out of any of our just day-to-day beers, this one's at the top of the list. Yep. Everything else is going to be in a special line. Yeah. For me, it's seasonal. You're you're more of a seasonal drinker. I well, it's like I love our bourbon stout. I love it. Yeah. Okay, but if you turn around and ask me that in summertime, I'm like, yeah, it's good, but I'm not going to drink it right now. Um, but yeah, when you look at the beers we've done overall, number one, Citra is that thing is killer. It's um, the pinning Citra is just, um, yeah, it's going to be my go-to. It's the it's the buy a suitcase of it and take it somewhere kind of beer to me. You know, yeah, um, that's way up there. And then, oh, geez, from there, um, gosh, you know, Last Call really holds a special place in my heart. Um, we designed that beer for a very important reason, um, to honor the fallen. And uh, um, really, it's always been a Imperial Red IPA. And so we're going to make sure it's called that at this point. Uh, we never really knew what style to throw it into, but we're going to call it that and call it good because it really is. Because you were calling it like an Imperial Amber Ale for a while. Yeah, right? yeah. and everyone's kind of like, what's an Imperial Amber, right? But this thing here is, uh, it's the, it's really kind of funny. When we designed this, it was uh, Bill and I, um, and, uh, you know, we we tried all these complex, put all these different malts into it and all this crazy stuff and all these hops and Finally, we both looked at it and said, screw it. And we went back, and it's two-row. I think it's C60 right now, and it's Centennial Hops. That's it. And for me, it's a big beer. Um, you can't drink a ton of them. 9%? Yeah, it's eight, like 8.6. Eight, 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 no, it's 8.6. Eight? Eight, yeah. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Pernicious 8.6. That's right. Oh, that's right. So. Come on, guys. <laughs> Well, I have been drinking. <laughs> I, I've been for some reason. I thought it was right around nine. I remember the first time I. Drank, I'm impressed. Dane actually was closer than you were. Yeah. So, well, I remember the first time I drank it. I was like, "What kind of style is this?" I'm like, "It was kind of like, this is a big beer. Like, what the hell's an imperial amber? Like, I don't know, but this thing's delicious." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's one of those that it's. Yeah, it's just one of those beers, you know. You just yeah. can't get rid of it. And um, then from there, it goes straight to the barrels. Malbret, man, the complexity in that beer was just, it was funky and weird, and I loved every bit of it. Yeah, my my good buddy John, when I posted that you guys were going to be on, um, he said, he said uh, I'm going to drink a, a beer because he's going to the uh, government mule concerts now. He's like, I'm going to pregame. And he drank a 2017 Malbret, 
before he went down there tonight and uh, sent that to me. I was like, that is a good beer. Yeah, between that one and I really like the uh, peach cabernet aged, the cabernet barrel aged with peach. Yeah. That thing's really nice. I mean, one person in this room won't like it just because he's uh, he's not a peach fan. But uh, so we have a lot more peach beers coming out soon. Ralph, Ralph has a baby palate. I do not like peaches. No, no. You're not. Are you a stone fruit fan, or you you're just not? No, I, I do like Some, many of the stone fruits, yeah. but for whatever the flavor profile of peach, hmm. just not a fan. I that that one is good. Now, when you're talking about your your bourbon, your bourbon stouts, this I remember this winter coming in, and you guys had like four different ones. Yep. You had uh, a maple one. Maple, yeah, it was a maple bourbon. A maple bourbon, and then the tequila. That beer was crazy. Like, <laughs> I thought that one was that was probably my favorite of all of them. And tequila barrel aged beers are, are really hit and miss a lot of times. Yeah, they yeah. really, really are. And sometimes you're like, oh shit, this thing sucks. And and this one was like, <laughs> oh shit, this thing's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then, God, what else did we? I'm trying, we had a coffee. The coffee. We actually yeah, did coffee. two different coffee ones this year straight and vanilla. Yep. Yeah. And then um, the bourbon barrel aged. The straight bourbon barrel aged. Yep. Yeah. That was a nice flight. It got you to where you were going. Yes, yes it did. (laughs) Puts hair in your chest. (laughs) And you have a strawberry kiwi. Uh That one I really enjoy, too. Yeah, that one. And and I feel like kiwi's a hard fruit to put into a beer, but somehow you guys figured out how to do it. Um, Well, first of all, I'll just tell you, using real fruit makes all the difference in the world. Um, but that kiwi, I was scared of it because I, I was like, there's no way it's coming through. Mm-hmm. I, I got Mr. Picky Palette over here, and I told him from the get-go, I go, there's kiwi in it. I don't know how well it's going to come out because we never brewed with kiwi before, at least to this uh, for that type of beer. And I was nervous because we put a lot of strawberry and a lot of kiwi in. But, man, it turned out I, I couldn't believe it the first time I drank it. You drank, drank it. Drank it. Drank it. Wow. Did that one sit in barrels too? It was yeah. in the. That was the. That was a fooder. That, that was, was the first fooder. one in the one food in our first fooder there. In an apple brandy fooder. Yep. So there was apple brandy in that fooder at some time. A long time ago, because yeah. they were over in France. And um, I know that's where they got Cooper. And I can't remember if they were from France originally or not, but uh, uh, they were in France and they got recoupered there and then sent over. And they still smelled like apple brandy. They just weren't. Um, uh, it wasn't like our fresh dump barrels, you know what I mean? But it it added some flavor to it for sure. I like to get those podcast noises on there. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. We're uh, starting to come out the bottle here a little bit. Just opened up a barrel-aged series. Here it comes. Better pour a little bit so I don't make a mess down here. Let's see what we got. This is the uh, barrel-aged series Divine Saison from Keg Creek Brewing. It's a Saison aged eight months in Vine Street Cellars red wine AOFO barrels. It's a limited edition barrel aid series. All right. Cake Creek, they're in Iowa too, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Glenwood. Glenwood, Iowa. You guys had much Cake Creek stuff? I've had just a just a few. I haven't had a, Ooh. a ton of it. A lot of carbonation in this one still. 
Nozon's pretty incredible. You guys, uh, you guys like to drink saisons? I'm a huge Belgian beer fan, so yeah. yes, saisons, triples, quads, abbeys, doubles. Oh yeah, pick one. <laughs> this is a pretty. The, the most recent Keg Creek beer that I had, I think, was their uh, barrel-aged barley wine that came out this winter, and it was fantastic. I haven't tried it yet. I've just been smelling it. It smells pretty good. Mm. Pretty solid season. It's pretty nice. Dry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very dry. Very dry. Kind of hit the sweet spot there, dry enough that makes you just want to take another drink to get rid of the dryness. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you guys, uh, you know, own a brewery, work for a brewery. Are you mostly drinking uh, your own beers, or how often are you drinking or sampling other beers from other places? So, if I'm just going to pick a normal night where I'm just going to have some beer at the house. Um, Monday through Thursday. Well, yeah what's your point um for me it just kind of depends if it's a last minute grab obviously it's from the brewery because they don't sure. have to stop anywhere but man we drink everything i yeah. mean the nice thing is with uh, amanda's work you know she was just out at uh, the cbc and she brought home beer from four of her breweries i think it's always great to get that variety and see what other people are doing and trying it and the hardest part is is sometimes there's so much of it is drinking it fresh enough to give it justice you know i don't like uh taking an ipa that's six months old and saying oh man these guys suck because you know you got to be cognizant of that but that's why it's it's a lot of fun to really try other stuff so for me um i'm all over the board i like to see what other people are doing it doing how they're doing it um we just got some we had some director the other night from somebody that gave it to us i mean all I kinds just, of stuff. I actually did an episode where we did all Drecker beers. Oh, nice. I, I had a friend that was up in North Dakota, and he, I said, buy whatever you can. He loaded up, like, four cases and brought me back a bunch <laughs> of Drecker. And it was, they they were doing some crazy beers, and they were tasty. Yep. I think I, I actually think I won out in my outside fridge a coconut milkshake for Drecker. <clears throat> um, I'm not sharing that one, though. So. Yeah, we had two <laughs> milkshakes. I don't remember one of them. Pina Colada? Was no, that was the other brewery. I don't remember which one that was now. Uh, but yeah, they had two milkshakes. Oh, Loki we had. and uh, oh yeah, Loki and Odin. Yep. Oh, little uh, Avengers. Uh, yeah. I guess that's not just Avengers, but that's yeah. Thor. Yes, Odin's son. Um. So we, we've we've touched on what your guys' favorite styles are. You're so we, I, did we actually? You said uh, you're you're more of a seasonal drinker. Or yeah. You kind of go with the season. So you're you're kind of getting off stouts now. Yeah. We I drink a ton of our barrel aged stouts this winter. Um, a lot of them. It was ridiculous. I had a keg at the fr- in the fridge of the house. <laughs> And it doesn't take long to... I'm sure that sucks. Oh, I, man, I got drink a keg of barrel-aged out. I'll be honest. I'm pretty sure I fell asleep on the couch a few times um, during this winter. Um, makes you all warm and fuzzy inside, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and then this time of year, of course, like the, the session IPAs, you know, before we had Pinning Citra, I would, uh, when we'd go camping, um, I'd like that low-alcohol 
beer, the sessionable beer, yeah. and I drank a lot of all-day IPA. And so once we started down the Citra line and started working on it, I was pretty adamant that this had to be in package at some point. Um, and lo and behold, I got my way. So was, it wasn't easy. <laughs> <laughs> was this one of those, uh, you know, your, one of your Citra test beers yep. at one point? Yeah. yeah well, we it was the five, last. We did five test batches on it, and the last two both had the Mosaic Citra combo yeah. in it, just yeah. different, different very uh, different percentages on on each of them. Sure. So this one ended up being a fifty fifty split is where we landed. Okay. So that was the yep. last test. Is this batch. dry hopped or? Yeah. 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 Five minutes in the boil and dry hopped. Awesome. So. But yeah, so this time of year is definitely this. In the fall, I really love, um, like my favorite fall beer we've done, to be honest, is the Harvest Red. That thing was a phenomenal red IPA. I mean, it was just, it was, I, I love drinking it. That was just one of those things. Because um, I'm not real big into pumpkin beers. Um, you know, the Marzins are good, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm just, it's I'm just something a, different. I'm not a huge malty beer fan, like. Like, they're all right for a couple of them, but I can only drink so many, like, Oktoberfest. Like, then I'm fucking full. <laughs> See, my number one beer style is the ESB. Yeah. I mean, when I was... Uh, um, Pods ESB. That that's was right. the first one that you guys were one of the it was, first ones. It was yeah. one of the first... Yeah, that and uh, no Happy As Ale. There. No, we go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he didn't put his name on or anything. <laughs> yep. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, I drink a lot of honkers. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, this was that was uh, that's really where I started drinking ESBs and shoot. I'll be honest, when I started, I, I love Luna C. That was a great beer, still is a great beer. Um, and uh, I drink Honkers and really Honkers. I never really paid attention to the style because it's just Honkers ale, right? Yeah. And then you start looking, and it's like, yeah, well, shit. I guess it is right. You know, I like it's ESBs. Better, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but it gives you that malt, but it's also just just enough bitterness there to to, to balance it out. I I remember drinking a can a few years ago, and it was the Triticale Brown. Triticale Brown. Yeah, Triticale Brown, but yeah, now it's two gun. the Two Gun, right? Yeah, yep. it's, it's actually been Two Gun Triticale Brown is the whole, oh. if you want to spell it all out. Thing? You yeah. can't fit all that on a can, so we had to shorten it. <laughs> yeah, I, remember, I, I, I forget where I was at, and I grabbed one, and I was like, I've never even seen this before, and I just think it was an older can or something like that with the, that older name on it. That's a tasty, and that one that you did the collab with the Blaze, the the two ah uh, the coffee two gun Joe yeah yep. two gun I love that beer it's yeah. pretty tasty yeah that we've got a we've got another collab coming out with them here pretty with soon, the with so. the Blaze radio station yeah yeah nice. so we're looking forward to doing that one they're yeah. fun fun group have you guys yeah. done um, any collabs with other breweries yeah we just did one with White Elm. Oh, um, did you? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the New England the, style. Meet the, me in the meet park. Me park. Meet that's me in the right. park. Yeah, Roberts Park is right in between <laughs> both of us. So meet me in the park with a bag of hops. That's is, right. Is what we uh, what we ended up going with. That's that's right. And then I feel like you did another like uh, Kiwi Herman or Kiwi Herman. Yep. Yeah, with um, you know, Kansas City. Uh, the cinder block. Yeah, I feel horrible. No. No, it's it, was, it was by then though. Um, Sorry guys, our bad, <laughs> big time. It's, they probably won't listen to this. Oh, <laughs> jeez. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna tag them in it once they figure it yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, asshole. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I, it's know, on I, the tip of my tongue. No, I, I, I was like, no, are you no, pulling no. it out? Yeah, no, I, I can't not say their name because now I just feel horrible. It's all right. Well, now this is the time of the podcast where my guests go to untap to figure out what <laughs> <laughs> to figure out who they've done Son of collab a. beers with. Was it Torn Label? Yes, it was Torn Label. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Jonathan got Jonathan, to know those guys down yeah. there. Yeah, Jonathan's friends That's with right. those guys down there. So yeah, because that one came about. Yeah, the name was actually, uh, once we announced it, that it was Kiwi Herman, I got calls by a distributor in Chicago. <gasps> you can't call it that. <laughs> That's right. We're not packaging it. So, so I'll take ma- the heat. So how many places do you? No, dis- double dis- shift. Oh, double shift. On that double one. That's shift. right. Yeah, yeah he goes shift. to Torn Label a lot. He goes yeah. to Torn Label a lot. Yeah, That's right. Double, double shift. shift. That's double right. Shift. God, Sorry, man. guys. Sorry. We love uh, you. We've been drinking. <laughs> uh, right. It's Ralph's fault. Is, he, like, is that a Cosmic Eye sticker on your phone? Yeah. Got to yeah. support local. Yeah, yeah. And so, it matches my phone, so you know, I'm all about fashion. Black. Can't you tell? Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you have a collared shirt on, Ralph, so I don't know what you thought you were coming into here, but thanks for dressing up. Yeah, it was for you. <laughs> oh, this beer is... Uh, you confused me. the crap out of me. You're into fashion now? Like have we like, had this talk? Tell? I'm wearing shorts are like 40 years old. They're barely <laughs> hanging together. Nice cargo shorts there, Ralph. <laughs> hey, I wear cargo shorts most of the day. It's... Yeah, but you know what? You have a need for pockets when you work. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, so, there's uh, a little bit. You guys are taking some soft pours here. I'm going to have to drink all this season myself, I think. I'll take more because I'm going to say on fan. This yep. is actually a really nice this, beer. This is very... It's one that I want to drink, like, I want to drink it fast, but it's so carbonated. I just, it, I mean, it's getting the burps now. They did a nice job on, a lot of times the Saison and the wine barrel, you lose the the base style, but the Saison really comes through on this, but you still get some of the wine yeah, what's the kind of, what's the wine in it? It, it just says red wine. Red wine, and I don't know what the hell AOFO is. I don't either. I don't either. We're going to have to search that on the inner tubes later all right so now let's let's get back here we're uh we've got the brewery we're on robber's cave we've got we gotta we gotta talk about the restaurant a little bit because uh you guys do some amazing food at at the Blue Blood Brewing. Well, let's be real clear. These yeah, guys, we, we these don't, do guys shit. don't do anything yeah. amazing with yes. food no. other than eat it. Yeah. You guys are um, associated with some people yeah, that do some yeah. amazing That's food. That's probably a better way of saying <laughs> Yes. Um, our chef, Kevin Shin, has been a game changer in my mind. Um, damn. And Kevin, so he originally, he was with Bread and Cup. Right? Yep. Bread and Cup was his Bread place. And, yep. Yes. And then I feel like did he open up the bistro, the Piedmont bistro? Yep, yep. Piedmont was his, yep. and Piedmont just kind of failed to launch, I think. And uh, you know, back to bread and cup, and um, overall the arena changed the haymarket enough to where I think that's what kind of led to the demise of bread and cup. But uh, um, frankly, um, he did something before bread and cup too. Yeah, he had Jack and June. Jack and June. That's he was, it. He, yeah. was, he was the chef for that. I don't know how much... I, I'm not sure what how, what level of involvement he had. Uh, but again, that's the... Man, those high haymarket rents. It's... That was... Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like Damn. New, New York pricing down there. It's, it's really crazy. ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I got a call and said, Hey, why don't you come down here and join us? And I found out the price. It was like 30 bucks a foot. I go, does that include triple nets? Nope. 
Yep. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> Not a chance. Yeah. yeah, Kevin's doing some really good foods. Yeah, so so Kevin's Kevin kind of took over the kitchen what, a couple years now, maybe. It had been no, actually, it would have been uh, dis- well. He started technically December of two thousand seventeen, but so basically just over oh. a year, a year and a half now. Yeah, we're we're about eighteen months in. Now. Yep. So um, yeah, the chef before oh, that, man. Casey also did some really yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, when you guys first opened up, we came out there and ate. I you know, I brought my wife and we brought the family out. Well, maybe just the wife the first time. I was like, "Damn, you guys are doing some good food." And and at that time, I mean, we didn't. I mean, there were there isn't any breweries that have the 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 kind of food that you guys have, or nope. the selection, or the menu, or anything like that. I was like, "Oh yeah, I can go get a pretzel." Or something like that, or maybe a plate of sausages, or something like that. But yep. you guys are, you guys are killing it in the in the in the restaurant. You know, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I don't want to discount anything Casey and his team did. Um, we've always had great food. We've been really lucky. Um, but what we didn't really have is our definition of our food. You know, I had an idea in my head of what I wanted it to be, um, but Kevin's really brought that. Uh, what we are today and to be able to truly execute it. I mean, we do our own sourdough. So our sourdough bread is from in-house. Um, and it's using, it started off with a beer yeast strain. And um, we, we smoke our own meats. We have, uh, we do our own pastrami. We do our own bacon. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, all of our, all of our sausages, all from in-house. Those are all handmade uh, in-house mm. sausages. Well, there is a machine that you crank well, to yeah. spit it into a tube, <laughs> yeah. but yes, they do but use their not, hands. you're not buying them from a sausage no. house and bringing them. These are done in-house. That's right. That sausage plate or board that you guys have is... That's the meat board. Yeah. That meat board and, and a beer is just... And the Brussels sprouts, oh. Yeah, those, those have been with us from the beginning. Those yeah. things are just killer. Those are the um, crazy eggs. No, oh, crazy oh, eggs. Yeah, that's one of those. Eggs. Yeah, it's it's getting hard because you know for a while after you eat someplace you know every day you kind of get tired of it, right? Well, I went in there tonight for dinner uh, before coming here, and I had the fried chicken on Tuesdays that we do. Um, man, and then and it's that's like a fairly new, like you in the last how yeah, many? Uh, probably in the last six months. I well, three it's been four. like. Three or four, probably. Yeah, it's yeah. we started. What we did was is we kind of defined days of the week. Um, we wanted to be able to do some fun stuff. Like fried chicken is one of my favorite foods, and um, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Listen here, asshole. <laughs> I, I like how one, one day's fried chicken, the next day's deep dish pizza. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? That's right. You better like it. Um, the specials are not health-oriented by yes, any means. They are not approved by dietitians or uh, by our friends at Good Life Fitness. Um, I heard that's a gym in town. Um, so, uh, so basically, so like uh, I grew up with when we did certain family dinners, you know, Grandma would make pan-fried chicken, and yeah. Kevin had the same experience. So why the hell aren't we doing it? So we did. Um his his bread he made some deep dish pizza for us one day and it's like how do we keep that coming because damn um is and that, is that wednesday or that's wednesday, wednesday nights wednesday traditional yep. chicago style deep dish which is one of my that's my favorite style but you really can't get a good chicago style deep dish around it no he does it traditionally and it's pretty damn impressive oh it's it's man it's amazing um you know, and then Thursdays we do uh, steak from Upstream Farms. 
Um, it's a so if you've ever been out for pet band nights, there's two, there's twins that are cymbal players in the pet band, and uh, they kind of go a little crazy in the second set. Um, I'm guessing it's because of uh, some sneaking drinking, but I don't <laughs> want to know. I don't ask questions. But no, they have a lot of fun, and we got to talking to them, and they actually are starting their own business with their own beef. So it's Upstream Farms. So why the hell not, right? So we started work with them, and we've done their prime rib. We've done uh, New York strips, my favorite. We, so we get their whole uh, whole uh, packers in, and we uh, uh, cut it up ourselves in the steaks, and that's been fantastic. And then we do rib and brisket on Friday and Saturday, and man, um, God, the smoke flavor on that. We use hickory logs from uh, Big Red Sawmill, and we smoke it on pure hickory the whole time. And you can tell. I mean, it's... And I don't know where the I know where we get the ribs. We get them all from Del Gold. We go for local sources as much we can. Yeah. And um, I've never had ribs that that meaty. And I'm not just saying that because it's my brewery. I honestly have no clue where the hell they get these pigs. Because man, I mean, half a rack and I'm stuffed. And let's be honest here. Yeah. I should be able to eat you, a whole you, rack. You look like a full rack. Guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you go down to a, a, a chain barbecue joint, and they're nowhere near that. You know, and you know, I always I always worry about pricing with our food items, right? So I look and see, okay, what's what's a rack of ribs cost at our place, and what's it cost down there? And I'm like, what the hell? We we make our margins, and but damn, we blow them out of the water, and I know our ribs are better. You know, it's that kind of stuff, and Kevin just really brings that to the table for us, and I don't know. One of the focuses with the food was we're a craft brewery, food should be craft, craft as well. Food. Yeah. And that's that's really what Kevin brings to the table. And that's also what Casey brought to the table was craft craft food. So it's it's actually really nice for you to hear, hear you say that you didn't feel that any other brewery was doing our style of food because that was the focus from the get-go and that's something Kevin wanted to make sure he brought forward as well and he's done an excellent yeah. job at it. Well, and I mean, now since you guys have been doing it for a while, the only other place I can think of, you know, Green Flash opened up and they're, they've got a full kitchen. Yep. And about, I think you guys are about the only two that have a full, yeah. a full kitchen that's, that's doing, uh, you know, and just period. Oh, with well. Laszlo's. Yeah. yeah. I guess they kind of invented that whole thing. Yeah. In, yeah. In they kind of own that area. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's uh, it's just crazy. I mean, but but the thing you know, when you think about it, I'm hearing, I think of Laszlo's, the food, s- and in a place to eat first, separate, yeah, separate and it's like, oh yeah, they have their own beer here too, yeah, and uh, so I guess that, you know, when I think I think of breweries, that for some reason they just, even though they've been around for twenty eight years or whatever the hell it yeah, is, yeah, they're now, sneaking up on the thirty mark, yeah. I'm trying to remember when it was 25. It seemed like a couple of years ago, but man, time flies so fast well, anymore. I don't know what the hell well, yesterday was. And and you know, we kind of talk about that here in the podcast. Uh, just the last five years in the craft beer scene here in Lincoln. Crazy. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. We were the third brewery in Lincoln. So you we had Empyrean. And then it was well, it was Modern Monks Modern at Misty's. Monks. Over at Misty's. And then you were the the next one in line. So yeah, I guess so. If you guys open up eleven twelve, that uh, yeah, because then the zip line was right behind us in February of two thousand twelve. Yep. They were three months later. Then you have zip line. You you had Plowshare. You had Code. You had um, 
Cosmic Eye, of course. Um, you have 5168. You Boiler, have you know, Boiler. If you forget somebody now, you're going to be a White real L. asshole. Could you <laughs> name them all? Did I? So- you're missing one. You're missing Cero Cidery. Cero Cidery. Yeah, I, I was talking brewery, though, so I love Eric green, down there. So Green, green Flash. Green Flash, Backswing. Backswing. Why the hell did I yeah. say them? They have our old yeah, place. I was going to say, they bought our old place. Yep. So. I know those guys. Yeah, well, I, yeah, that, that, was, beer. <laughs> that was one question I was gonna was was gonna bring. It, damn it. So about that was uh, <laughs> gonna bring up. So when so backswing is like those guys were garage brewers, and they uh, they they had a deal with with the uh, brewskis for their IPA, right? Sure. But you couldn't brew a beer in your garage and sell it there, so they were. Were they, you guys were contract brewing with them or something like that? We, yeah, we brewed, I think we only ended up brewing like two batches, but. Uh, it was actually a little more than Was that. it? Yeah. I don't remember. Time flies. Yeah, it does. Um, so yeah, we brewed it for them for, uh, for, and it just went to our distro through, uh, for uh, uh, Brewskis and really that's what got them started. Yeah. So, so you guys, so they were brewing beer. I remember drinking some of their beers at uh um like uh, capital city beer fest or something like that. Mm-hmm. yeah that's... And, and they were just that was back when the city the city or state was cool about home brewers stuff like that I, I think they passed a law that that's cool again but there for a little while it was yeah that's really kind of how it came about was at a beer fest yeah it was at uh, hops for harmony yeah up in omaha and uh, they were there serving that beer and i just went over to grab some wings uh, off their table and I grabbed a beer because somebody told me Brewski's is serving beer and I was like, I didn't even know Brewski's brewed beer. Like, Yeah, they had a house beer or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I went over and then uh, met TJ and actually all three, TJ, Corey, and Pat were all there and so just got to talking with them and they, they told me they were garage brewers and and they eventually ended up seeing their home brew system, which is a pretty high tech bro home brew system. They weren't just playing around with a yeah, couple of pots. Not like a three three barrel or not? Yeah, it was a full one barrel yeah, system. Full one yeah, one barrel system. Yeah, yeah, full one barrel system. And then they uh, told me what their hopes were to sell it into brewskis, and they just jokingly kind of asked, "Would you guys be interested in contract brewing for us?" And and literally was like, "You know, give me a call next week. Let's let's talk, and maybe we can work something out." Because we all started as home brewers in this industry and helping them get started was yeah nothing but good vibes and, and what we were trying to create and so. then you guys are moving on and that they've been brewing in that spot already so did you guys leave the equipment that you guys originally had there yeah so they'd kind of shared their plan with me and i and when we knew we were moving for sure and we talked about you know we're going to sell everything off or if if anybody was interested in moving into a turnkey brewery we'd do that as well so only people i knew in the industry that were really kind of work in that direction at that time um was was tj corey and pat so i went and talked to tj and said hey i know your your plan is to open in omaha but if you're interested and want to shift down to lincoln this is what we got going on please don't share it with everybody yet but if you want to jump in and, and get in at a good price you're not buying everything new and not having to put it all together you know we'd be willing to talk about it and i think he made probably like two phone calls and they <laughs> called me back and said yeah can we set up a time to talk and that's when i talked with brian about it and they came over and the rest is kind of history from there yeah 
Yeah, I had uh, had Grady McGuire on a podcast a while yeah, ago. Yeah, sure. Grady's a good cat. Yeah. That's a great guy there. So, and he used to work work over there when they first got going. Sure, yeah. We talked about them. I need to reach out to TJ and the guys at some point and get them on here and, and kind of just want to hear their story about how. Please make sure you get all three so you can... <laughs> Listen to Corey and TJ talk, and then just stare at Pat. Because that's what Pat's going to do, is stare at you. He's just going to sit here and drink the beer. <laughs> yes, I love Pat. He's such a good guy. Uh, well, uh, we finished off that uh, Divine Saison from Keg Creek Brewing. Well done, um, guys. That's a good beer. Yeah, and that one was also from 20, does, 2017. I yeah, I noticed that. And it and, held really well. That carbonation really kept a, an oxidation level down. Yeah. Now we're, now we're moving on to the C&C Flavor Factory. This is from Cycle Brewing from uh, Tampa Bay, or uh, St. Pete, St. Okay. Petersburg, Florida. This is uh, c- cacao nibs and coconut, I believe, in a bourbon barrel-aged stout. And I've got... I, I like how they have right on the bottle, drink fresh, do not age. Yeah. So when I was... Is this a 2016? No. <laughs> so I actually got this in November when I was in uh, Tampa Bay. So it's, uh, you know, maybe, what's it? It's uh, April now, so it's like six months old or something like that. But it's it's been fridge stored ever since I brought it back to, brought it back to Lincoln. I was out there for a, pretty much a beer trip only to... To go to Tampa area and picked up some of these bottles. It's tasting pretty damn good. If you like chocolate and coconut, it's it's a pretty good beer. I did not until the coconut porter. Coconut was just not a the, not yeah, a thing for me. Your, your coconut. smoked coconut. Uh, yeah. Porter, the, was it capers? Or coconut caper. capers. Yeah. Um, oh, and that was during the whole uh, label oh, government thing that was going watch, on. Right? You're gonna watch this man cry. You just want <laughs> is that kind of your thing? Like make people cry on the podcast? Hey, there's this knife. I'm gonna stab you with a couple of times. <laughs> so uh, that uh, that really kind of sucked, didn't it? <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> you know. This this winter sucks. So I'm just gonna stop there. And uh, it was a phenomenal beer. We didn't get to share with the people that we wanted to. How about that? Yeah, because that 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 beer was planned. To, so I was gonna ask earlier, like, where all are we? Distri- where is Blue Blood distributed at right now? Well, uh, we're in Nebraska, of course. Yeah. Uh, Iowa, uh, Missouri. Um, our Missouri distributor takes us over into Kansas, Illinois. Uh, Wisconsin and Iowa. You said Iowa Iowa twice. Did I? Well, they're next door neighbors to us, I guess, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, and that beer was planned to go to all states, but got trapped right in the middle of uh, the TTB shutdown with the government shutdown. So, label got tied up, which means we couldn't ship it, so we ended up with a, a bunch of beer intended to go to multiple states that we ended up having to... But you guys had a big event... We had a big event. Our distributors here did a wonderful job helping us out. Um, Quality Brands and House of Beers picked up Customers could come in and pick it almost right off the line. We actually did do an off. That's the only time, first time, and hopefully, you know, we don't ever have to do that again. (laughs) Next time we can choose to do it. But we literally did 
um, seconds fresh beer. So you could come in and pick your four pack or case or whatever right off the line. So if you wanted the last four cans that were that were filled, you could grab those four cans. Yeah. So it was a fun event. Yeah, it was a good time. And and kind of speaking of events, you know, so you've you've built this awesome brewery. And now you have this outdoor venue. The yard. The yard is right. So when you guys first built, you have this kind of like wraparound porch almost. And you had this space down there. And now you put a little pavilion there and you call it the yard. And you have live music down there. That's right. Although you have live music almost in every portion of this brewery. If we can put a band, we'll shove them there. I, in a gentle I've but encouraging seen, I've, manner. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen music on the brewery floor. I've uh-huh. seen music in the tap room. I've seen music in the yard. And the cave. And, and seen... I've seen music in the cave. Everywhere you guys have had live music. And local acts. You're bringing in lots of different local acts. Yep. We've been really lucky. Um, we've got some phenomenal backing with these bands that have come in. Um they like playing there. Um, I'm hoping they continue to like playing with us, uh, playing at our place, wow. whatever. Um, uh, <laughs> and uh, this, yeah, just stop for like a 12% beer. So <laughs> I've only had one sip of this. Um, but, you know, it's uh, with the stage out there, and uh, um, it's, just, it's just a great venue. Sit outside, hang out, enjoy some beer, listen to music, listen to some great music. Um, like you said, local folks. Um, it's just been a lot of fun, and uh, that's really what we want to do is just relax, kick back, and have a good time, and uh, hopefully this uh, adds to it. Yeah, and you, and you kind of talked about uh, the pep band. So, you know, I remember, you know, the only place that you could go hear the band was at Misty's the night before the game. That's right, and Grandmother's. Well, it was It was Grandmother's. Yeah. Started just, with Misty's, moved to right Grandmother's. Yep. Just right, that was right over here by my house. Yeah. That's not anymore. That's a fucking empty building. But but uh, now Blue Blood Brewing has the uh, Nebraska Pep Bands before yep. all the, the Husker home games. So I was actually in the Misty's Pep Band when I was in college. I'm still trying to get him to put on his pet band uniform and get the trumpet. He out. doesn't fit into it anymore. That's man. why I wanted <laughs> you to know put what? it on. That cummerbund was adjustable. You can both kiss my ass. Um, <laughs> the, the, the hat doesn't fit anymore. <laughs> my head hasn't changed shape. Um, uh, you think? Slip that out. No, no, it's still the same hat, but uh, everything else has. Yeah, yeah, the hat's the same. Yeah, that, nothing else is the same. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was in the marching band in high in college and, uh, I was in the Misty's pep band and, uh, man, the day, <laughs> you realize the, I was in Nebraska pep band. That wasn't the Misty's band. <laughs> well, it was, it was, it was the Misty's pep band or grandmother's or GMOS is what we called it. Um, that's what they were. And, uh, um, so the second grandmother's closed, uh, I started sending notes off to people I, I knew at the university because, uh, um, the director is still there from when I was in. And we had another contact that works there with the music department. And I uh, immediately started reaching out because it's like, why the hell not? And uh, the first year was only inside. But now in the summertime or the fall when it's nice out and we have them out in the yard, it's an amazing, amazing night. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. High energy, lots of uh, lots of fun down there. Yep. And uh, 
we're we're lucky to have them come out to be honest with you it's just it's just a blast you know we get we get people fans from the other team in um of course craft breweries always get people traveling through town and they always have people coming out um but really when you look at nebraska football and both teams having fun together you know that's really what you see happen now um well and especially you guys distribute in a, at a large footprint of the big 10 Big Ten teams. I mean, yep. you said you're in Wisconsin and Iowa and Illinois, and so and it's been fun. You know, when I go up to Madison and Milwaukee, uh, Madison especially, and you kind of joke around Nebraska and the football, and they've kicked the shit out of us how many times in a row now. Um, but it's just it's fun. You know, it's that's the good if you want to call it rivalry. I don't know if you can, but it's definitely a lot of fun. Um, and, and so that's kind of part of it. You know, it's everybody in the Midwest has kind of got each other's backs, and uh, really that's what it boils down to. Um, I know it's a lot of fun and uh, when we play Northwestern at home because we always get a lot of pictures of, holy shit, Blue Bloods here in Chicago and at Benny's or, uh, you know, all the different places out there. Um, so it's a lot of fun to, to really be part of it because our fans travel well. They see it out there. Um, but then when those fans come to us, they also seek us out. And, you know, it, it's, it's a good time. Yeah. And uh, I feel like this last, this last Husker season – that uh, you guys in, I think it was at Carbon? Yep, Carbon, Carbon 4. Carbon 4 Brewing. Four Brewing. Yeah, we're you hoping guys, that continues to be an annual. Yeah, you guys, we, you guys did, a, you guys both brewed a beer. Was it together or was it you guys brewed one, they brewed one, and it was for charity and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, so it's for the Wounded Warriors organization. That's right. Um, and they actually approached us and said, you know, they were they were looking to put together a fundraiser and uh would we be interested in helping out and it, it hits pretty close to home with who we are as a brewery so it seemed like a, a a gimme yes right away just what can we do to help out and uh they explained what they were trying to do is put together a kind of a head-to-head competition between us and a, a brewery in wisconsin that would be an annual deal that where we would pick a style or pick pick whatever it is we wanted to do together and uh each brew a beer and what we ended up doing is going with the red white color profiles so home team's going to brew a red beer away team's going to brew a white base beer so, so you did a wit beer this year we did a wit beer this year yep with white grapes yes um, and they did a, would they do a red ale they did a red sour oh. this year yeah and i don't remember exactly what uh they're, the in, tr- they're in trouble if uh, we're gonna do a red sour this year for the beer so and, <laughs> maybe and, we'll have to save the bourbon or the the barrel aged farmhouse you know yeah. and <laughs> each brewery prepping for this moment each brewery gets to pick whatever red style or white style they want yeah. and then our whole goal is um, we each give a portion of all the beer sold. We do fundraisers. We do raffle items. Each brewery is trying to raise as much money as possible for the organization. And uh, whoever raises the most gets the traveling trophy. And we created a, a traveling trophy. We've got a good friend who used to be a, a deputy sheriff here in town who's now living the good life down in Florida with a cigar mm-hmm. shop who also does some laser engraving. So he, he customed a Das Boot for us and made a traveling trophy out of it nice. and that goes back and forth between did the breweries did you chug did you have to chug out of carbon four's got it nah. right now so i haven't even actually honestly i haven't have even, even seen it haven't even seen it it was shipped directly for him for a laser engraving and he held on to it until uh the winner was announced based off the amount of money raised and it went to carbon four so hmm. i've seen photos of it 
um, but I have not actually seen it. So I can guarantee the first time we get that trophy back here, yeah. we'll be, be passing that boot around. Boot chugs. Yep. Well, that just means you're gonna have to do it again. So uh, we yep. get a, we get it back. We get it next year. And that's a that'd be a home game for yep. It's yep. a home We're game the home this year. Team, so it's a red beer this red year beer. for us. So. Yeah, it is nice. We play them every year back and forth. So at least for that reason. And Carbon Four, they're I think they're in Madison, right? Yeah, right yep. they are right in Madison. Yeah. Well, and they're also distributed by our distributor in Madison, yep. if I remember right. Yep. So it's kind of a nice little family tie, if you will. So we're all kind of interlinked that way. Nice, nice. What do you What are your thoughts on this? Have you guys had much this beers a, from Cycle? I have not. This is a really nice beer. It's, Cycle Cycle does their stouts pretty well. This is a they they have a pretty pretty good uh, barrel bail program as well and i'm i really love coconut barrel aged beers and like i actually there's actually a little bit of i don't know if you can see in there i have a little floaties a couple of coconut i do as well yeah yep i do as well just so not huge chunks but a little bit of floating in there and when you throw chocolate in there i mean this is a liquid mounds bar is pretty much what yeah, you get you do get the mounds character. You get the coconut, you get the chocolate, and you get a little bit of that charred character from the oak barrels. Yeah. It's it's so, a well done beer, but I'm a fan of coconut beers. And you weren't a fan of, of coconut pop? I you know, I just didn't like coconut. Um it's fine. It's nothing I ever sought out. Um honestly toasted I mean, to me after sitting there toasting all of the coconut that one of the coconut porter. Um Toasted is a lot better than just straight coconut. I mean, yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. It's this, fine. This is but... how much he liked toasting that coconut. So a little behind the scenes. So I was the one that was pushing for the coconut in the smoke porter. Yeah. Because I love coconut beers. And and everybody agrees, finally, okay, we'll do it. And then I get a text from him the day we have to get the toasted coconut into the beer. And, I, and it literally was, we're never effing doing a <laughs> coconut beer again. Oh. <laughs> we tried the oven. We used the oven for a while, but it was uneven, so it was pissing me off. Um, so we switched to the flat top, and that worked pretty well. Yeah. But um, basically on our flat top, if you really want to know, um, you can fit, um, I believe it was two boxes of coconut onto the flat top at one time. And you have to constantly stir it and get it toasted nice, and it did turn out very well. Um, but it made a mess. I'm sure my kitchen staff was cleaning up coconut for a week. I'm sure they were calling me every name in the book. However, if any of my kitchen staff is listening, you understand this was Ralph's idea, <laughs> not mine. How many boxes of coconut? I was just going to say, and oh, how many shit. boxes did we have well, to add? So, so we, we, we brought it in uh, from Cisco, and that's where we buy you know our groceries from. Yeah, crazy enough, you can't source coconut locally. Yeah. Oh, we you tried. Know, yeah. <laughs> well, we actually did look at bringing in whole coconut from, like, Hawaii. Um, from, yeah, that, uh, yeah. Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, Damn. Um, I'd still be doing coconut to this day, <laughs> cutting those things open and shredding it. So we bought, we bought, you know, shredded coconut. I, I remember there's, there's all kinds of different varieties. There's a, a snowflake coconut, if you will. It's cut in a certain way. And there's shredded coconut. Um, there is a difference and a very important difference. I don't remember what that is now, but either way, I swear at it or swore at it. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, coconut gets my ass. How I mean, many, how many boxes was it? It was a lot. I think we, I'm trying to remember the weight. The weight of the it's, boxes was. Especially since this was a large batch that was oh, going to distributors. Yeah. 
we did so much coconut it was ridiculous um well, yeah well i think it was uh, we we ordered 15 boxes but um what happened is we called to verify that they got it on the order for the next truck and um the person who answered the phone said yep it's there well they hit enter again and so we end up getting 30, 30. boxes of coconut <laughs> it shows up that day and i come into the brewery and it's just a pile of coconut and i'm like what the is going on here and i'm like there's no way i'm like i'm gonna kill jonathan i'm gonna kill him because it's just like you're not putting how are we putting this much coconut in this beer it won't fit in the tanks i mean it's just like there's no way there's no volume and so it turns out it was a double ship but and that and who's gonna toast all this crap <laughs> well, yeah and, and coconut in a beer I mean, it absorbs some of the beer, so you actually lose some of the yield from your from your actual beer, right? Yeah, anything dry going into a beer is going to suck up that moisture, absolutely. Yeah. And you still had that much beer. To... I and I had it. I had it on tap, and I had it in cans, and I thought it was a pretty damn good beer. I'll be honest, for a coconut beer, it was pretty fantastic. I mean, it really for was a coconut beer. <laughs> well, I. I liked it. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, see how much he struggled with that. Yeah. Like that actually hurt him a little bit. <laughs> it's it's uh, the carpal tunnel I got from using the spatulas on the flat top, toasting all that crap. Because I remember it was me and Jonathan there that day because Nick was off, and Jonathan was like, "Well, who's going to toast this?" I'm like, well, "You're the brewer. You're going to toast it." Well, I don't know how to. Like, of course you don't know how to. Uh, but uh, it, we kind of went back and forth a little bit because Nick's gone. Nick would have been the one that got stuck doing it. Um, or maybe you know what though? I think that was the first day. But then after that, I want to say me and Nick did a lot of it because it went faster. I think no, no, Jonathan no, I helped the first texts. day. It was I don't know. I wasn't even there. I was just getting texts yeah. about how much it sucked. Ralph, <laughs> this so, idea. Terrible. So yeah. now drinking this beer, this is a great beer. Obviously, there's coconut in it. I can deal with this kind of beer, but trying to put that in a production run and keep it hot enough, keep it clean enough, because you were putting it into your beer that's going into cans, so you yeah. can't let it get infected. Um, add those extra layers of complexity to it. Yeah, we're never doing coconut again. <laughs> I'm never doing coconut again. If Ralph wants to, Ralph can march his happy ass into the kitchen and toast it. Have you? So you've never done like a coconut sour or anything like that, huh? We haven't. No. Well, Ralph. Maybe that, that, coconut pineapple. You know, I've I honestly never had a coconut sour. Now I've had like a pina colada sour. Well, that's before, what I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe like a, a coconut, coconut sour. pineapple, mango, sour, or something like well, that. Well, heck, you're halfway there to, yeah, basically a pina colada yeah. with mango and that yeah. kind of thing. It's not a bad idea. Well, we were looking at a, we had a request for a pina colada beer, a milkshake type beer, so we had one. Um, it, it was it was fine. I mean, I think we want to make sure if we do coconut, we do the pineapple. Um, I think after the pineapple assassin and the um, the coconut caper, I think people know we kind of make sure that it's pretty obvious what's in there. Yeah. I mean, if you were there when we were coring all those pineapples, <laughs> I mean, we cored every single pineapple by hand. How many um, pineapples? Huh? How many pineapples? Well, it was a pallet that was five foot tall, full of pineapple. Um, it was six per case. I don't know case. if anybody counted. Yeah, it was six per case. So I want to say I brought in, well, shoot, there had to be, per layer, there had to be eight cases, so probably 80, shoot, 400 pineapple probably I threw there, all corn by hand for Pineapple Assassin. Jesus. And that was a, that was a damn good beer. Like, 
It was a crazy beer. It was so. It turned out really good. So, so, <laughs> and that's another thing I want to talk about. Like, bring, bring. So, back when Blue Blood, when you guys first started distributing, you guys were a, a six pack, twelve ounce cans. When did you guys move into the sixteen ounce? formats i mean now now you're still doing 12 ounce because we're drinking the sit the the pinning citra here yep. but i feel like you're one of the first breweries here in town that started doing the 16 ounce formats well the the first was actually the 10 series that was our first uh tall cans those were four pack 12 ounce cans we had those in customer. 16s i thought for a while no that'd be cool but we, we did the <laughs> no, what the hell did was, we do is it, it seriously four, it the robbers cave yeah. series Four pack, yeah. We yeah, started Robert's with sixteen Capes. ounce with the tw- yeah with the Robert's Cave yeah. series. Oh, you know what I'm thinking is is when we sent Ethan Stout to overseas, we did those in sixteens. Yeah. Yep. That's what I was kind of thinking about. Yeah, we did a whole ca- uh, a whole container load of uh, uh, Stout oh, to China. China. That's right. I went to China. So you so Blue Blood Brewing has been to China. Yes, I have been to China, and the brewery has as well. Um, and uh, we're not going back. Um, <laughs> It was a pain in the butt. Um, it, it was a lot of beer. It was cool. It was something to do. But yeah, no. Um, Sorry, China. You're all great people, but the logistics are like a bit it was of a, a pain. Oh man! And you know that shipment. I remember watching it on the train because I was always I was worried because it was warm out. You realize there's got, not train tracks to China. Uh, I do, but there are train tracks to Los Angeles where okay. it gets on a boat, and. Uh, um, <laughs> It, it set the desert for like two days. I'm like, would you guys move this damn train? I mean, come on. This is in Utah in the middle of nowhere. It's hot. Get this shit out of here. Um, and, it, you know, it's just, it was it was a learning thing. But, uh, yeah, the, the the big thing is, is I think on the 16s versus the 12s is distinguish the styles or the, the series, I should say. But at the same time, that Robert's Cave series is just that much more expensive to brew. I mean, we don't mess around with extracts things like that we put in real fruit and that takes time that takes money and so we want to put the best foot forward and uh, to be able to do that right and get it out in front of people in a way we can afford to actually present it to you that's about the best concept the best package we can do it in yeah and so to answer your question when we started the four bags he would know better because i'm wrong (laughs) obviously folks i am wrong it was not with the 10 series so yeah, we did start that with the Robbers Cave series for exactly what Brian said. We wanted to make it stand out a little from our regular series, and also to absorb or balance the the cost ratio with that with producing those beers. But we started that um, actually. So we're in nineteen now. That would have been two thousand sixteen is when we started that. Late series. sixteen Late is when 16. we started it. Yeah. Yep, and I I think you're right, Dan. I think we were the first to put them in the 16 yeah. ounce cans for, for a local brewery well and you know i yeah and people on the fridge guys podcast know i do a lot of trading and stuff like that and and most of the time i'm i'm receiving 16 ounce cans of ipas and or sours or gozes and stuff like that and here in lincoln you guys are the only people that are putting. Well, Cosmic Eye is sixteens, aren't they? Well, we ju- we just started. Yep. Uh, we just started a run of sixteen ounce of our session IPA. Yeah, but other than other than that, yeah, and, guys... that, and that's you know you bring up an interesting point in our outside markets, and that's one of the talk about long conversations about what what package to put that series in. 
you, when you're in multiple markets and the multiple markets are different um, longevities of their craft beer development, mm-hmm. outside markets, you're right, you're spot on. They want 16 ounce cans, and then you get into the local market they and want they the want 12, 12 ounce cans because yeah. that's what's moving. Yep. So it's you can't do it in both, not not feasibly and affordably, anyways. Yeah. So. So, but you still have your twelve ounce formats. We do. You're still yep. doing your flagship beers as twelve. Is this uh, pinning Citra? Is this going to be a flagship? It is. Session it is. IPA? It's actually replacing Wicked Snout. Um, as much as we love the Snout, I know. What the fuck? I know. I know. Um, you know. Uh, it's Ralph's fault. Unfo- <clears throat> unfortunately, oh, wait, was that a bus I just threw you in front of? <laughs> unfortunately, just the Belgian style beers. The numbers are just down totally. Not. So the farmhouse numbers aren't but, holding. But so. you did tell me Barrel Age Wicked Snout is coming out yes. this year. And you can still get it at the brewery. We'll keep it around for, gonna, for those who love, you know, in small batch at the brewery. So. But you're going to get rid of the six-pack, 12-ounce. Yep, the six-pack, 12-ounce. So if there's if there's some out there on the shelf and you see it, buy it up because it is the last of it. And I know there's not much left in Lincoln at oh, least. Oh, really? Yep. So. And that's one of those local ones that that's off the shelves pretty quickly, the Wicked Snout. I've I've had people um, that have had it before that have requested like, hey, Wicked Snout, can you send me some? Like, it's, it's a nice farmhouse farmhouse ale, but yeah, they just the styles not selling as well as it used to. So it's uh it's getting retired. It's gonna get some rest, served a good life. But yeah, we're replacing it with penning Cit- or penning citrus, so it will be a flagship year round. All right. Well, I think I'm. I'm gonna. This will be the last beer of the night. You guys are still drinking the uh, coconut uh, cycle. This is the Grim uh, Super Shine. This is a Dry Hop Goza Ale, conditioned on oak. I so, feel like we just got peer pressured into finishing beers. You like made the comment. We both finished yeah, our beers. Guys, <laughs> I said that. They Stop hammered. judging me. <laughs> they hammered. Hey, guess what? This beer is from May of 2017, <laughs> like a couple of the other ones we already had. But this is a 4.7% uh, ABV. Um, this is a 24-ounce bottle. I'll uh, pass that over there. First Goza that we've had tonight. So we've had a Session IPA. We've had an Imperial Porter with vanilla beans. We've had a saison, a barrel-aged Saison in red wine barrels for eight months. Then we had a bourbon barrel-aged coconut choc- uh, cacao nibs uh, stout. Now we're having a dry hopped. The, the color on this is fantastic. Oh, <laughs> but uh, and it's very well carved. The bubbles are just effervescent in mine here. Ooh, it smells very good too. It doesn't say what it's dry hopped with. I was just gonna. I was just looking at yeah. that. Oh wait. It smells. Does it say aged on oak? Yeah, it does say aged on oak. Okay. Yeah. We're serving in the tulip glass like the instructions. That's well. Great. No, this is a snifter glass. No. I could have given you a tulip. I have plenty of them, but it smells pretty good. This is a good, yeah. good sniffing beer. Good thing it's out of a snifter. Have you guys, has Blue Light done a Goza style? Mm-hmm. You guys have done, done a some? couple of them, three of them actually. Yeah? Yeah, we've done a uh, peach Goza, a peach and apricot Goza, and oh. a passion fruit Goza in That's package. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
So you guys, you guys pop out quite a few beers, and I try to drink as many as I can. Well, we thank you for that. <laughs> it uh, it's a hard uh, job that I do, but I try to drink. Somebody's got to do oh, it. <laughs> yeah, I try to drink as many local beers that come out as possible, and with as many breweries we have opening up in this damn town, it's hard to drink all their beers. It really, really is. <laughs> Not if you care about your and, liver at all. And then on, on top of that, all of the out out of town breweries that keep keep getting pulled in. I mean i i just I just noticed uh, the other day that Modern Times is going to start distributing here. Yeah, they're going to do burst distribution here. Yeah, kind of like Jester King that just you know they came out quarterly, which was maybe two months ago, like February or something yep. like that. Yep. They're going to, Modern Times is going to do something like that. Yep, yep. That burst distribution is kind of a new model taken off for quite a few of the the hot breweries or the, the big breweries that um, aren't quite producing enough to keep full-time distribution or they're testing out a market to see if they can go to full-time distribution there. So they're doing burst distribution, which is really cool to allow people in each of those markets to yeah stuff to, that to we've get never some seen of the, yeah to get some of the beer we've never seen um on a, at least a limited basis yeah uh, another one that i can think of that we just uh, in this market got was hoof-hearted yeah 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 <laughs> Cracks me up. That's one of uh, uh, American Beer Equipment's customers. Is it really? Oh yeah. They, when they came up with their name and they were talking about it, it was it cracked me up hearing these guys saying "hoof-hearted." <laughs> I don't get it. Yep. And <laughs> Slow <over>, down. <laughs> I, f- I feel like what are they like Indiana, Ohio, somewhere over their area, Illinois, somewhere. I'm gonna have to look. Yeah. It, but they've been they've been here. They're near the Great Lakes. Losing somewhere in life to Google again. Yep, yep, we are. But uh, this is uh, Ohio. Yep, nice yep, yep, job, nice job. <laughs> I've drank a lot of hoof-hearted. <laughs> it cracks me up because especially when you listen to some like some older people say it. What's this hoof-hearted? <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> and uh, and they put the name of the brewery on like their uh, their mash tun uh, closing things. What the hell do they call those? Uh, the lid. Yeah, that. That's it. <laughs> yeah, the lid. I'm glad we're finishing with a goza. Four point seven percent. Yeah, we started with a was that a four nine? Is that what citrus is or four, four nine? Yeah, yeah, citrus four nine. four nine. So we're we're finishing off with it. Yeah. You know, we climbed the mountain. We came back down. That's right. We're coming, going up. I think we're down. rolling at this point down the <laughs> down the hill. All right. So you, now, Brian, you own a brewery. You know what Untapped and Beer Advocate is. Yes. Right? What What are your like? I'm I I like Untapped. I use Untapped. I use I use it more just to kind of process what beers I drink because I drink it. Let's be honest, a shitload of beers on a weekly basis. <laughs> and I and I use that, but but I know a lot of brewers and a lot of, you know, owners of breweries and stuff like that. They're they're not that thrilled with, with how that works. But what are you what are your thoughts on uh, you know, the beer advocate ratings, on tap ratings, stuff like that? You know, I haven't looked at beer advocate um, in a long time. I hate to say it. Uh, I think Untap's kinda won that game in terms of overall as a rating venue. Um, so yeah, that's kind of maybe bad in the sense that I just haven't looked at it, but when it comes to untapped and ratings, um, number one, 
Um, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. And they all stink. Um, that's right. And uh, so, I mean, everybody has the right to voice their opinion, so go for it. But um, what I what I look for is trends. So, um, I, honestly, I barely even get on there and look. Because, um, number one, I don't review beers. Because if I don't like a beer or I feel it's poorly done... Um, I don't want somebody to be vindictive or another brewer just to be vindictive and start doing shit and writing one-star reviews just because. Sure. Um, but uh, when I do look at it, when we look at it, um, it's a tool because what we can see is, is okay, so we've had it before where um, let's say justifiable hop aside is running at 3.8. I'm just making shit up here. Um, if it's running at 3.8, but at this one bar, it's consistently getting a two-star rating. Well, to me, it says maybe something's wrong with that keg. Maybe there was a problem with it. Maybe it got oxidized. Maybe the draft system is wrong. Something, yeah. you know, something's Dirty off lines. there so we can look yeah. at it. Exactly. Um, so it, it provides a general tool that way. Um, but um, at the same time, I don't sit there and take a look at what? What do you mean you don't look at Untap? It's at 3.84. So, Well, yeah. you looked at it to see pa- that. I love how he passed it on like, I don't really know. No, well, actually, but I get... Three, 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 four means, it's at, um, means you're getting more fours than you are three, seven, five. I, I actually get um, most of my stuff. I actually get... Uh, um, I hear from Jonathan and Amanda more than anything. Amanda, my wife, Jonathan, the brewer. Um, they, they really keep tabs on it and take a look. I honestly open the app maybe once a month. But it's it's for that reason. We can kind of see if there's a problem somewhere. Um, yeah, and it's good to see what people write. Some of it's funny. Um, some of it is is where I really love when you see the major brands getting five stars, like Natty Light getting five stars, oh, yeah. and um, every craft brewery getting one star. Um well, you, you know, like stuff like that, <laughs> whatever. you have to take it as with a grain of salt. Yeah. I mean, you go and look like, oh, this beer is amazing. Why did somebody give it a .75? And then you go and look at what those people rate their beers at, and you're like, okay, they're not craft beer drinkers. Oh, and I've had horrible, horrible beers. I mean, stuff that I couldn't even finish a, a taster of. And you see the average population gives it like a .375. I'm like, are you serious, people? Come on. <laughs> you know? And it's got 20 reviews. Well, that kind of tells you. But, um, yeah, honestly, I don't get too worked up over it. I laugh. Um, sure, there's some stuff that kind of pisses me off. But at the same time, whatever. It is what it is. You know, um, just because I love a style and I love that beer doesn't mean Ralph's going to. Doesn't mean you're going to. So in that regard, you know, it is what it is. I think the big thing is, as I see, is some brewers get really upset when they see a uh, beer getting rated at three and a half stars or well, why aren't you rating it higher? Well, a three is kind of the middle of the road. Well, two and a half technically is middle of the road for untapped. Yeah. So you're already above average, which is good. Um, and, uh, you know, not everybody's a one star or five star kind of person, you know? And so I, I, there's a lot of fun reviews. Like I really like the ones where, man, this beer is perfect, exactly what I want. Three stars. Well, what the? <laughs> that's the kind of shit that's funny. Um, but uh, it, what do you do? You know, um, you hope you're popular. You hope you're on that side. Uh, but frankly, there's seven thousand of us anymore in the country, and so um, whatever. You know what I mean? I, I look at it as is is the people that come in that drink my beer. Do they like it? Do they buy more of it? 
The answer is yes. That's good enough for me. That's right. Ralph probably has Ralph, a different opinion Ralph, on it, but we'll. Any, uh, you got any thoughts on that? So on here, that uh, you're, you're going to need to open another beer after yeah. this one. So uh, we'll let this go for a while. I I think Untapped is is just fantastic for the user. Oh yeah, um, it's it's good for the breweries too. But I mean, it really does a great job of engaging people in craft beer, and that's what it's about. And you have to keep in mind that scores are subjective. It's however that person's deciding to score their beer. None of us know that, whether it's like, dislike, whether it's style specific, whether it's style guideline, whether it's just on a whim. You never know. So you really can't take scores to heart. Um, I agree with Brian. You kind of look for a trend of a beer. If we put out a beer and every user out there with all this subjectivity is scoring it poorly, we probably did something wrong. But when you get some bad scores mixed in with some good scores, that's that's the way it goes. You can't take any of that personal. Not every beer is for every person. That's why all of us breweries do so many different styles because we're trying to appeal to all the different palates. So <clears throat> I think Untap's a great fun way to keep the customer engaged with craft beer. And it brings in a lot of new people because it gets them engaged with what they like and what they don't like and why they like it and why they don't like it. And if brewers get past the the soreness of somebody scored it poorly or somebody made some comments, bad comments about it, you can actually use it to help you identify what styles people are liking, who's who's purchasing your beers. Um, you can dig in pretty deep. And, and Untap's done a great job at, at using their app for uh, craft beer bars and breweries to use as their menu item, yep. which even yeah. helps. Yeah, we use them. They're that. fantastic yeah. for that. So... But the scores, you really can't take anything too personal. Yeah. I've um, actually been contacted by Untapped because as many beers as I check into my bar location here at the house, they wanted to know if I was an actual bar. Or <laughs> <laughs> we have a free service if you want to know what's on uh, being poured at your yeah. place every night. Yeah, they said, uh, what is so, your location, so is, is Patton, <laughs> they said, is Patton's Pool and Drool, is that a like a bar? No, that's actually just my house. (laughs) (laughs) Hate to disappoint you folks. I'm not going to pay your fee for a month. (laughs) I was like, like, I'd love to have a verified location, but I'm not paying shit for that. (laughs) I'm sure the other guy on the other end of that call just hung up the phone and looked at the guy beside it was like I just hung up with the biggest alcoholic you'll ever talk no, to no what's really funny is is if you look at some people's untapped accounts that check into your beers you'll see some guys that have had so many beers it's like there's no physical way possible you could have drank that many beers in the time untapped has been in existence if you look at how many beers per day that equates to, it's like, number one, either you have a serious problem or you're the guy that goes to a beer fest. And even though your palate's wrecked after the first four beers, yeah, check into shit anyways. Hey, I know Brent, a guy that's a I, minute on the lips is a minute and untapped. Yeah. No. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's one thing to check into it and say, okay, I had the beer. It's another thing to say, ooh, that's a one star. Dude, the check-in before it was a barrel-aged imperial stout, and now yeah. you're drinking a coal. So, I mean, come on. Of course it doesn't taste the style. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I know. When I, when I posted the, at the end of 2018 how many beers I drank in the year of 2018, and it turned out to be 42 every week. 
It's like it's wow. impressive. That's a lot of fucking beers. Yeah, I've kind of and, got a new image of you there, and, Dave. And my wife was like, "I did the math. You realize that that was forty-two a week." And I said, "I didn't do the math. I just drank the beers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I stopped counting, honey." <laughs> but uh, well, you know what? We're gonna finish this uh, dry hop goes ale from Grimm. Uh, I want to thank you guys for coming on the podcast. Uh, Brian Podwinski, the owner of Blue Blood, Ralph, the, can I say director of sales? You can say whatever you want, man. It's your show, really, <laughs> okay. to be honest. Yeah. Yes. Brian, uh, Ralph, the director of sales for uh, Blue Blood Brewing. Um, this has been a really fun episode. Really glad you guys came out. Your your Pinning Citra Session IPA was wonderful. Um, the beers that they opened up were okay. Um really a lot of good information i hope uh hope everybody at the fridge guys uh in, enjoy this um look look up uh blue blood brewing on on all the social medias you guys are on uh on facebook you're on instagram twitter you're on everything you guys have stuff going on all the time i'm sure you have a website blue was it blue blood brewing.com you guys, all there's always an event going on at, at uh, Blue Blood. And now we're getting into nice weather. The yard's opening up. There's music out in the yard. There's music in the in the tap house. Um, it's it's really a, a, it's a happening place this time of year. So Yeah, if I could, I just wanted to throw one shout out. You, you mentioned our Robber's Cave series. You mentioned our 16-ounce cans. We've been talking about Penny Citra. I can't talk about all these beers and these package sizes without throwing a shout out to Perfect Four Studios, which is uh, the the design group we've been working with. If anybody listening is familiar with Perfect Four magazine, yeah, which is the craft beer magazine based out of Lincoln here, uh, some of the guys from the magazine broke off and design and, and developed an, an advertising firm uh, of their own called Perfect Four Studios which is really focused around craft beer, and they've been doing all of our design uh, for about the last eight um, months or They so. took over Justifiable Hoppicide, the first one, and I think that was, what, July of last year? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, about eight oh, months. Oh, I got ago. one right, Ralph? Is that what you're saying? I finally got something right? Okay, just making sure. Want to be clear. So, but uh, <laughs> since they've taken over some of our designing, the, the, the whole look has really, I think, finally started to come around to what we really wanted it to be. And uh, they've done a great job representing the brand and really dialing in on uh, bringing forth the images from the names we create and all of that good stuff. So I just wanted to give those guys some love since we talked so much about their package sizes. And Yeah. <laughs> you were, yeah, really, Ralph? I did that on purpose. Yeah, so. yep, uh-huh. <laughs> and we've had enough, of, uh, enough beer tonight to where it's like, oh, that's some funny shit right there. So, yeah, just wanted to give give those guys a shout-out. And uh, if you're looking for some design work, hit those guys up. They're fantastic. Yeah. So thank you, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for answer, answering my questions. Thanks for drinking beers with me. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Uh, if uh, you guys want some good beers and some good food, head over to Blue Blood Brewing any day of the week. They're open every day of the week. And if you want to listen to more Fridge Guys um, episodes, hit up uh, fridgeguys.beer, my website, hit up threebeerslater.com, hit up uh, my Facebook, Fridge Guys, Twitter at fridge underscore guys, or Instagram at Dean Patton. Um, 
Ralph's going to finish off this uh, dry hop Goza. He's going to get the yeast, and he's going to have terrible gas tonight. And that's why we don't invite Ralph over late night. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.